Hey, I'm Erica Jarvis. And I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. The podcast about all of the podcasts that we just can't stop listening to. Exactly. When you're done with the show, come join us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcastRWD or be our friend on Facebook. Search Podcast Rewind. And don't forget, you guys are the most important to us. So come and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, now on Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Exactly. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 38 of Podcast Rewind. This is your podcast for all the recaps, go-tos, and chit-chat about all the podcasts me and my best friend love. I am one of your hosts, Erica Jarvis. You can find me all over social media at Erica Jarvis. I'm Amy Randolph, the other co-host of Podcast Rewind. You can find me on the internet at I'm Amy Randolph. So welcome uh, to the Podcast Nook on a Tuesday night. Yes. Yeah, okay. So dedicated rewinders, you probably have realized that we promise shows on Sundays, but they come trickling out Mondays and Tuesdays sometimes. Look, we're going to go ahead and make it insta-official here. We are now going to record Podcast Rewind on Tuesdays. Yes. So you can find us Tuesday evenings and or Wednesday morning if you go to bed early um, uh, so your listening pleasures will now happen midweek. And Amy can find her cat, who's making tons of noise, out mm. on her ass if she continues <laughs> to behave like this. The pod cat is feisty tonight. She and I, is. So it's that, like she pulled a tight eight at work today. She must have. Now, that's the baby pod cat. I do have to give a shout out, shout out to my OG pod cat. It's her gotcha day. Yay. I found that little stray muffin eight years ago. And you do mean little. She was little then, <laughs> yeah. No, I've about doubled her size you. in the eight years that I've had my sweet baby podcast. Which you only say that when you're reminiscing how much you love her <laughs> or like when you're a little drunk and you want to hold her like a baby, but when she's being a monster, these aren't the words you, you know, use <laughs> no. about her. No. Look, like a good mother. I'm glad. You talk trash she, about her when she's not around. I'm glad she doesn't know English uh, because I, I say some very unkind things <laughs> that a human mother would probably get, lose her children for. But I think that they still say it. <laughs> Yeah. My mom has told me before, I like you, but I love you, but that doesn't mean I like you right now. <laughs> Speaking of being a little drunk sometimes. Yes. Um, I'm not currently, but not I'm yet. on my way if we continue. Um, cheers. To cheers. Drink of the week. I have a uh, red blend Ooh. from Dark Horse is the winery. I really like their rosé lately. It's so good. It's so good. But this red blend, it was all stormy and nasty today, so I was feeling a red. Yeah. Now I am such a red fan. This is... Uh, Woodbridge? Woodbridge. <laughs> Pinot Noir? The I fancy, have no idea. The fancy stuff. But yeah, it was such a gross rainy day, and yeah. it wouldn't be a podcast show if we did not reference the weather, because <laughs> we are officially of that age. We're like that. Yeah, now. but when it's nasty and just like dark and dreary. It calls for a red. It calls for a red. And now, of course, because it's Florida, it's bright and sunny and humid out, and our reds are still delicious, but they do not make sense. Neurologically speaking. Alcohol always makes sense. It totally does make sense. <sighs> um, what you obsessed with? 
So I think you already know, and you're already highly judging me for it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you're not going to do this, are you? Doing it. Oh, fuck. All right, go. Kristen Cavallari is back. <laughs> judge, judge. We're all judging you. Yeah, I judge me. Are you kidding? <laughs> Kristen Cavallari is back on E! with a new show called Very Cavallari, and it's all about her and the girls that work with her starting up her lifestyle brand that I guess also gets a brick-and-mortar storefront called Uncommon James. Okay, Sonia Morgan. Four yeah, years yeah. prior. Right. Anyway, um, she is classically still the Kristen that we remember from the hills. Like, the way she can just a, a dime snap at somebody and cut them with words, and beautifully, no less. But yeah, like she's kind of like a Stassi in that Yeah, way. absolutely. That's just innately who she is. Um, the girls that work for her are all wretched and <laughs> dumb, but stunning and annoying with their hot ass boyfriends. The but vocal fry. I was listening. I came uh, home and you had it on, and the vocal fry of these dumbass assistant girls. I mean, what is your favorite animal? So horrible. But the person that is the real piece de resistance, the breakout star of this show, is her husband Jay Cutler, who didn't know he had a personality. Turns out. He's really funny, really dry and sarcastic, and is also, like, not here for her shit or all of the <laughs> girls that she works with. And I just think that he is the reason to keep watching the show. Like, when the girls are on, I'm like, I wish I could fast forward, but I'm watching it on demand, so I can't because right. I never waste any space on our DVR with this show. I know better than that. So I didn't know much about Jake. Cutler as a person, really. I mean, all I know now is about the 20 minutes of that show I was watching Uh with you earlier. But I did always wonder to myself, how did this, like, you know, Midwest football player guy marry the chick from Laguna Beach and then the Hills? And I'm still wondering. Yeah. Because it turns out he also has a personality. Yes. And seems actually kind of lovely and Uh funny and easygoing. Still, why does he love Kristen Cavallari? Oh, because according to her in an episode last week... She was explaining how he like he has no game, and she basically was. They went out on a couple of dates, and then she was like, "We should be doing this. This will work out well for you." And, and went, so okay. he did. Yeah, because listen, all the way back in the Laguna Beach days, I also did not understand why Stephen and then later Jason were into Kristen either. Because yeah, sure, hot body, but she's mean. Yeah, she's and that so body mean. is skinny. She is skinny. Shit. Hey. All right, anyway, that's my judgy obsession. All uh, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I judge you. I judge myself. What are you talking about? Okay, great. Cool. You might judge me for this one. I am obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> so the OG, again, I'm saying OG, franchise of The Real Housewives returned last week. The Real Housewives of Orange County are uh-huh. back for season 13. Ooh, ooh, lucky 13 on Bravo. Um, so I watched last week. You know, I enjoyed... But then I kind of got like an itch in my soul. Did you During, do it again? I did it again. You remember I did this a few months ago yep. when New York came back on the air. Yes. I went back to Hulu and watched the very first episode ever of New York. And I thought, what's better than a reprise? <laughs> so, <laughs> I Everyone loves a comeback. <laughs> I put on Hulu the other night the very first episode of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Amazing. Which... Actually, these women all thought they were taping a show called Behind the Gates. Yes. And they were. And then once Andy Cohen at Bravo got a hold of it, at the time Desperate Housewives was so popular on ABC, he thought, I can play off this. And he crushed Uh, it. And he crushed it. Still is, at least right now. (laughs) Um, So The Real Housewives of OC premiered. 13 years ago, yeah. I guess. Um, (laughs) And our, again, OG Vicki Gumbelson. Look, 
She may have the same name and same social security number. That's it. But that face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is nothing. No. Like what it was 13 years um, ago. The girls on the morning toes call her Ficky Funkelson. Because <laughs> that is not Vicky. That is Ficky. It is like a um, pseudo version yeah. of Vicky. Okay, so like, do you even remember season one cast? Yes, because, okay. Let's continue the judgy train, right? Let's go, let's go. So 13 years ago, my family moved to Florida, and they lived in a condo while our house was being built, and I came down in between my junior and senior year of college, Mm -hmm. and no friends, don't know St. Augustine from anything. Made friends with Bravo. I mean, my mom and I made a lot of TV friends. I mean, we obsessively would watch (laughs) The Nanny till like four in the morning, because what the fuck were we making up for? Why not? Mr. Sheffield. Uh-huh. And so we would watch... The Real Housewives of Orange County together. And yes. it was just like... That's great bonding. Because all that was on Bravo at that time was like Kathy Griffin stand-ups. Oh, and me. so it was nice to have this like, wait, what is this? I know reality TV from a competition perspective. Sure. But what am I watching? It's like old ladies, uh, real world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so let me tell the listeners. So Vicki Gumbelson, she's married to Don at the time. Uh-huh. And the first episode is all focused on Brianna's graduation. Oh, God. Brianna is like tiny. She had that boyfriend, Colby. Do you yes, remember him? Yes, I do. He was cute, right? He was cute. Yeah. And they were like super in love. Um, you kind of see her at prom with Colby, yeah. and then it was under her big graduation party. So that's what Vicky's doing. And, like, Don is there. He's bumbling around. Um, then Gina Kehoe. Uh-huh. She, at the time, is still married to her husband, Matt Kehoe. Her shitty fucking husband. Her shitty fucking husband, who they later divorced. Um, all three children are at home. I had forgotten this. Okay, so this is, they're taping around Kara, the middle daughter, uh-huh. her 16th birthday, and she gets a new car for her birthday, obviously, and they're going shopping for it, and she's doing that horrible, like, I want this one with this color and yep. these, you know, outfittings. But then Shane, the oldest son, he's in his senior year of high school, and he's a, it's drafting time for baseball. Yeah. Remember, he was a big baseball player? Well, because her husband was an ex-professional baseball player. Exactly. And, and his grandfather as oh. well. Baseball was in the family. Now, Shane was a shit student, and so they wound up having to pull him out of his regular high school after his junior year and put him in some, like, remedial high school to try to get his grades back up to either make him qualify for a scholarship and or for the draft. So he wasn't playing as much, and he winds up getting drafted in, like, the 30th round. Yeah. And they are so disappointed in uh-huh. him and just shaming him horrible. And Shane, who, look, I'm sorry, fucking hot yes, as shit. But dumb as a box of yep. rocks. Accurate. Um, so that's what's going on with Gina Kehoe. Then there's Kimberly. Do you remember her? Yeah, with the tits. Yes, Kimberly with the tits. And the that's cancer. exactly it. She wanted mm-hmm. to get cancer yeah. and leaving, I think, after the first season. But it was skin cancer. She, and she skin was like, I can't get out of the sun. Right. But I kind of forgot her backstory. So she and her husband were from, like, Wisconsin. Like, mm-hmm. they show old pictures of her, and she looks like a normal person. Yeah. And then... He makes a lot of money doing whatever business he's in, and they decide just to move out to Orange County, and he's going to grow his business out there, and within, like, two years, like, by the way, he's balding, he's overweight, he's no prize, but he turns to his wife, and he's like, you know, all the women have fake tits, baby, could you... Yeah. And so he buys her a set of tits. She doesn't have to work, so he just sends her to Pilates class all day. Buys her the blonde hair extensions. I mean, he he robo-made a Stepford wife for herself. And she's happy to go along with it. And then there's... Who was going to be the breakout star? Because she's in the center of the um, promo. Yes. Joe. Joe. 
Joe. You're right. She was in the she center. She was in the center. They thought she was going to be the star. She's a dud. So Joe is only 24. Uh huh. By the way, on this first episode, she's engaged to Ugh. Slade the Smiley. Herpes of Bravo. The herpes of Bravo husbands, 100%. So Slade and Joe have been engaged for like a year now. He's got two kids from his previous marriage, and he wants a stay at home housewife. Yeah. He wants a mommy, even though the children have their own mother. She uh-huh. didn't die. She just doesn't want to be with yucky old Slade anymore. Correct. So he won't let her work, even though she was in real estate or whatever the fuck she was in. Yeah. So you just see her lounging around. What it was a nice house in Cota de Casa uh-huh. um, back then in her juicy velour uh, tracksuits, talking on her razor flip phone yes. because she's bored all day, and then like going to the country club and having like a vodka soda while she waits for Slade to get home. He gets home from work, and then every single night she wants to go out and party with her friends. Yeah. And there's all this party footage of her, like, smoking cigarettes yes. in clubs. Yes. Indoors, like, I guess you could in California 13 so. years 13 ago. 13 years ago, people don't care. Oh, my God. It was a blast from the past, and I, I'm not really mad at it. No. You may judge me. You well, may go on Was ahead. it one of those things, like, when you're watching it, like, because we're all watching things in widescreen now, they kind of had to shrink it down with oh, the big yeah, black corners? Oh, yeah. It had the black box, for sure. Yeah. And I also weirdly... Knew, like, exactly what was going to happen. I remembered it that well. Were you a Rain Man of, like, the first episode? I remember weird shit, but, yeah, I, I was, like... But, like, just yeah, to, like, let the record lines. show, not my birthday, one of your best friends for the first <laughs> nine years of our friendship. <laughs> but, yeah, what the next scene is on the fucking OC. All right, so since you called me out, Eric and I have been friends for 12 years, and it was only about three years ago that I really learned her birthday, <laughs> which is March 30... Oh, shit, 29th! <laughs> <laughs> it's on, March 29th. On record. We <laughs> fucked up. On record. I for years thought it was March 30th. I think my favorite is the time we went out for happy hour on my birthday. We went out for drinks. And you kept asking me, like, what was I doing the next day? And I was, I was like, like, so what are you going to do tomorrow? And you're like, like, I don't know. Like, not a whole lot. You? I was like, well, it's your, you know, it's your birthday. And you're like, right now. And I was like, yeah. And they're trying to cover real fast. I was like, yeah, right now. And in my head, I'm like, fuck. It. I don't know her birthday. Yep. So there's that. That's okay. Okay. Any moving on. Do you want to talk about um, like a podcast? I would love to talk about six. Oh, let's do it. Okay. Okay. What do you got? Oh, you want me to go first? All right. Well, that's your punishment for not remembering my birthday. <laughs> Soup's prepared for this. <laughs> um. So I listened to a new one this week and totally, totally dug it. So I listened to two episodes and I'll get through them quick. But the podcast is called This Movie Changed Me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The host is a spicy little lady named Lily Percy. And it's not a movie review or a movie dissecting podcast. Uh-huh. It's a, mo- or a podcast about like a discussion, a conversation about how a movie changed someone's life. Yeah. And so scrolling through the episodes that she had, I picked out two episodes of movies that I really enjoy. Okay. So I'll tell you what they are. Toy Story and Bridget Jones's Diary. Excellent choices. Okay. So Toy Story came out in the mid-90s, right? So I was a child. Yep. So Toy Story was so huge in so many ways. It's the first Pixar film. It was the first completely computer animated uh, film. So just huge milestones in filmmaking. Right there. And then on top of that, the story is just, it sits with you. And as a child, I mean, I was, I think it came out in 95. So I was 11. So I was getting to that point where I was kind of becoming too cool for toys. 
But the toys in the movie gave me just like a hurt and a cry yeah. for, you know, a few years prior when I had played with all of those toys mm-hmm. that I was city- seeing on screen. So certainly that movie touched me and changed me. And then it's been so lovely to continue on and to have Toy Story 2 and 3 and then 4 is going to come out next year. And the land is opened over at Disney. Exactly. And like, you know, that movie has grown and lived, you know, I think we were such a perfect age for that film when it came out. But there's another man who uh, Toy Story changed his life in a certain way. And this was so unexpected and really lovely to listen to. The man's name is Charles Pope. And at the time that Toy Story came out, he was uh, just through the ministry and was a young priest. Uh-huh. And he was kind of a cocky <laughs> young uh-huh. priest, thought he deserved the best like priest assignment, and he didn't get it. And he was really crushed by it. And really, like he was kind of like a bull in a china shop kind of guy. And he wound up going to see Toy Story, and in fact, he was going with another nun. Uh-huh. And on the way to the theater, they got held up at gunpoint. <gasps> right? So he's already low. This happens. They have to go to the police station for a while, but they're still in the movie to see Toy Story. Obviously. So they just go to a later show. But he said that movie and the character of Buzz Lightyear changed his life. Aww. Because he saw in Buzz this man who was cocky and um, came in and thought he was the big man on campus and had a misconstrued version of what his purpose was. Mm. And you see how Buzz, once he finally realizes he's a toy, he goes into that deep depression and he's willing to self-destruct with Sid's rocket. And the Charles Pope, who is a priest, he's still a priest now, talked about how a lot of times God shows us in our greatest moments of weakness what our true purpose is. Yeah. And by the end of the film, you watch Buzz realize that his true purpose is to not only be a toy, but to be Andy's toy. Yeah. And like I was so sweet. I was on a walk crying oh. listening to this podcast. And I can see how that man was so touched by it. And it's so cool to see how a character from a film like that that touched me in a specific way changed that man's life. And he said he now counsels adult men pretty frequently and will tell them to go watch Toy Story and watch the character arc of Buzz Lightyear. Amazing. He uses it as a teachable thing. That's awesome. Really cool. And so then the next one, I said I listened to the episode about Bridget Jones's diary, and a woman named Samantha Powell is just a year older than us. Okay. So Bridget Jones's diary sticks out to me personally because it came out in early... April of 2001, and I turned 17 Yes, uh, in April of 2001, so Bridget Jones was the very first unsupervised R-rated movie that I ever saw in the theater, and I was so excited to go. I was the youngest of my friends. I was the last to turn 17, and like that rite of passage to go see an R-rated movie and show them my driver's license, like, I'm allowed in here. You didn't sink into private parts by Howard Stern the way I did when I was young. Oh, uh, no. I sunk, I sunk into Blair Witch. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was a mistake. That was a mistake. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> but no, but like being just, you know, I could buy the tickets yes, and course. go to Bridget Jones. So um, Samantha Powell talked about how she saw it as a young girl. And if you think about the character of Bridget Jones, she's meant to be thought to be kind of like put upon. You know, yeah. she's overweight. She doesn't have her shit together. She smokes, she drinks too much. She, you know, is a mess with men. But Samantha said when she was a young girl, she was like, Bridget seems to have it together. She's got a job. She's got an apartment. Like, <laughs> mom and dad will love her. Um, yeah, she, she seems all right. Yeah. But then she said she got into her later 20s and she kind of 
hit a roadblock in her life. She had been laid off from a job. Mm. She, you know, didn't have a relationship, was feeling less than, and happened to take in another viewing of Bridget Jones's diary, and that's when it really changed her. Because Bridget learns to love her imperfections and learns that her imperfections are what makes her so cool and um, lovable anyway. They talked a lot about how Colin Firth in that first movie has that line where he comes in and he says, I actually like you very much, just as you are. <laughs> yes. Even after he just, he gets done with the litany of the uh-huh. list of things that are wrong with her. And she's like, well, fuck you then. And he goes, no, you don't hear me. Yeah. I like you very much, just the way you are. You're going to do the accent again? I love to do accents. <laughs> Leave me be. But anyway, both of those were like 23 minutes yeah. long. They both super touched me. Um, you know, like Interstellar was on there. I'm probably not going to listen to that one. No. Um, but I think I'm going to keep track of that podcast and go back and listen whenever I see a title that I know I love that movie too. Well, question. Do you think you in your life have a movie that changed you? Um, I would say, you know, the movie Titanic is such a milestone in my life. Like a, just the first thing that I really fangirl obsessed over really, really hard. Uh-huh. In that way, but I mean, that's a really good question that I don't want to waste airtime thinking about. Maybe I'll shout it out towards the end of the podcast, but yeah. certainly there have been films that have changed the way I think about things. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I should have thought about that before yeah, I got as well. Life. I can't believe you didn't think I wouldn't ask you that because Man. almost it has completely changed me yeah. into going into journalism would be a smart thing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily continuing with journalism <laughs> by any means, but watching that movie, I was like, oh, I'm 100% doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it still lives in my top ten. But. Yes. I also listened to a podcast about movies this week. So weird. So weird. So oh, cool. Hit me. It's called TBT, as in Throwback Thursday, mm-hmm. a movie podcast with Olivia and Miranda. And now these girls are two friends. I'm guessing 24 to 26. Uh-huh. That kind of age range. So, okay, so just younger a, than us. About a decade. <laughs> not just. Yes. Well, if they're on the 26 spectrum, it's not a full decade. <laughs> but anyway. This is an entire movie recap podcast, okay. which awesome. We love recaps. Yep. But they specifically are doing the movies that they grew up with. Okay, so, so nostalgia. Like, complete nostalgia. So, like, episode two that I listened to was completely about the Lizzie McGuire movie. And just, like, <laughs> going back and rewatching these movies 10, 15 years away from them how different you see things. So, like, they also cover Toy Story, The Incredibles, High School mm-hmm. Musical, like, the whole franchise, sure. um, Hocus Pocus, Hercules. But what's so great is, like, I know you haven't seen a Lizzie McGuire movie, but at one point in time, Lizzie is celebrating her eighth grade graduation in Italy, like you do, and her parents and brother miss her, and bitch has been gone six days. And <laughs> Everybody um, be cool. Yeah. And then they just last minute buy tickets to Italy. Because people could just do that. Well, because when you're watching it when you're young, you're like, oh, that's so, oh, our parents Aww. missed her so much. But now you're like, what the fuck kind of disposable <laughs> income do you have, Mr. McGuire? And attachment issues. And, right? She's and on a trip. She will be back in 10 days. She'll <laughs> out, me. Mom. So it was just so funny because in hearing them, you know, recap the Lizzie McGuire one, I was like, wait a minute. You are right. And also, Yeah. Who was in charge of costumes and dressing? Because Lizzie looked stupid 90% of the time. You're just like, <laughs> why was part of her hair crimped and part, part of it? No, yeah. Like, you're just like, so it's exactly like the podcast we would have wanted when we were 13, 14. Sure. And now they definitely cover a lot of like the DCOMs, so Disney Channel original movies. <laughs> I mean, which is so good. <laughs> I did not know there was like slang for the Disney Channel what? movies. A DCOM? 
They even call it that on the Disney Channel. They'll be like an original decom. It's so, I guess that's my gap. I that's no your gap. gap. I, I guess. No clue. You must have been more of a Nickelodeon girl because I was much more of a Disney girl. I, I was a Nicktoons type of lady. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, fun fact, they're rebooting the Rugrats. I am stoked. I am so fucking stoked. Rugtar. <laughs> um, I dressed up as Angelica one year for Halloween. And that is not <gasps> you surprising. must have been so cute. It's not surprising it's who I am as a person. No. <laughs> but I, I do have to hair. ask Olivia and Miranda one thing. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the fuck is a Goofy movie? Because <gasps> if there is any movie to go back and recap, sure. it is a Goofy movie. Because that is definitely like almost become like a Disney movie cult Favorite. Well, let's DM them on the Insta. I, listen, I'm not above DMing somebody about above the Goofy shit. movie. <laughs> but yeah, I, I suggest checking them out. They've got dozens of podcasts, if not like, you know, maybe 30 or so now. Okay. So yeah, they've got a really great repertoire. Sweet. Sweet. Um, shall I go? Please. Okay. So I listened to a podcast. We've talked about this show before and this network of shows Stuff You Should Know. Uh-huh. Remember? It's been, it's been a minute since yeah, we've okay. talked about them. But I listened to an episode of Stuff You Should Know this week called How the Pill Changed the Word. World. Excuse me. And the word. And the word. So they really do start off talking about how when you say the pill to anybody, nobody's like, what, your diabetes pill, your <laughs> blood pressure pill. Everybody knows when you say the pill, you're talking about birth, birth control. control. Right. I have to say, it was a delight because the two hosts, Josh and Chuck, <laughs> couple of dudes talking BC Dino and the, women's, the women's reproductive system. <laughs> I was. But like not in a mansplaining way. Uh, I'll get there. Okay. 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 So we all know what the pill means. It, they said something that, look, you should know this. The pill is the very first um, contra- or oral pill ever developed that wasn't for a therapeutic reason. Oh. In other words, wasn't purely for medicine. Yeah. It was to elect to change something about your body because you wanted to. Got it. Not because you needed it uh-huh. for, for health reasons. So the pill was released in 1960, and within the first year, up to 1.2 million women were taking it. Right. So at that time, if you think about it, up to, by the way, up to 30 states at the time outlawed any sort of contraception, but of course, kind of, but not really, because condoms were available to men. I mean, as a woman, you would never be caught dead buying a condom back then, but condoms were really only sold to single men because married men, you know, again, religious reasons, you're yeah. supposed to have sex to conceive, but it's like, well, then who do they think the single men are having sex with? You know, <laughs> I mean, everyone knew that we were all boning, right? didn't talk about it. And, of course, in the 60s, the, the social is changing. So, um, anyway, then, so in the 50s, they're starting to really develop this. Margaret Stanger, who um, founded Plan, Planned Parenthood, was really um, pushing towards getting a birth control pill, um, you know, developed. Uh-huh. And, in fact, at the time, it's because she was very anti-abortion. And she wanted to stop yeah. people from having unwanted pregnancies in the first place. Yeah. Um, obviously, the goal of Planned Parenthood, not goal, but the uh, mission or mission something. of Planned Parenthood has changed since, right. But anyway, so they're developing this pill through the 50s, and they actually, uh, down in Puerto Rico, had to do it so that they kind of had some, you know... Kind of like hide away. Hide away a little bit. And the testing that was done back then was kind of blind testing, which is something you super can't do now. They weren't even telling people what this pill was <gasps> for. Like, taking see if you notice anything different. Whoa. Oh, I'm not getting pregnant. Oh, good. That's working. Shut up. Right. So, like I said, within the first year, 1.2 million women were taking it. 
But in these first few years of the pill being on the market, look, the, the formula wasn't perfect yet. And the, uh, a lot of women were having terrible side effects. Um, they think it's because there was too much estrogen in the original uh, formula, but women were developing cancer oh. frequently. Um, other, you know, the side effects that still are there, but we're just warned about now, like hypertension, blood clots, stroke, acne, weight gain, um, those things they all knew about back then, but they didn't disclose it to the women who were taking it. Even the women, the 1.2 million women that knew they were taking an oral contraception, doctors were not telling the women oh. the side effects. Because okay, they wanted about to chunk up. First of all, <laughs> pharmaceuticals wanted to push the pill. Second of all, doctors, who were predominantly men, of course, mm-hmm. thought that little ladies were very suggestible. Mm-hmm. And that if you tell a woman that she's going to gain weight when she takes this pill... You know what she's going to do? She's going to get it in her head. She's going to get all hysterical about it. And she's going to, or she's going to have a stroke. She's going to have a blood clot. And she's going to Women are the worst. Women are going to come screaming (laughs) in here. So by 1970, it's been on the market for 10 years. And a lot of women are having terrible side effects, including cancer. Yeah. And so it's kind of, now it's back in Congress. And the D.C. Women's Liberation Group is really getting loud about it because they're disclosing finally to Congress that they knew about these side effects. No bueno. And no, there was a one woman, Alice somebody, I didn't write her name down. Sorry, mm-hmm. Alice. Um, she was the head of the D.C. Women's Lib Group, and she was raising a fuss. And that is why now, at the end of every commercial, you, for a, for a pharmaceutical, you hear, side effects may include. Yes, girl. You know, on and on and on. And it's called uh, informed consent. And nice. so now every time a um, medication is described prescribed to you, your doctor must inform you of the side effects. It's on the side of the pill bottle. It's on the TV commercial. It's in the magazine yeah. ad. And all of that was because of what was going on with the pill and women not having the informed consent of the risk associated with taking the pill. Oh, yeah. Even when you go to the pharmacy and you get your prescription filled, yeah, it's on the bottle, but then it's like a piece of paper attached to the bag, mm-hmm. stapled. So you have to choose to rip that off and read it or ignore it. But we gave it to you seven different ways from Sunday. Yeah. And I took the pill for years. And Same. even up until a few years ago, uh, you had to actually sign off that you understood yes. the risk that you were taking right. by taking the pill. Yeah, so um, then they kind of, so then the boys do go into, let's talk about exactly what happens during a woman's menstrual cycle. Oh. And then, now remember, the entire 28 days is the menstrual cycle. It's yes. not just the week we're on the period. Yeah. So this was hilarious to listen to two straight dudes <laughs> hilarious. discuss what exactly happens inside the female body. And as they're talking about it, they do stuff at one point and they're like, man. Women are so amazing. Like, I think I got a couple of lungs ticking away in there, but my body is doing nothing like what theirs is. <laughs> like, this is a process. We are working so hard like, all of the time, Men, you need to respect women more. I was like, go, Josh and Chuck. Yes. So here's the thing. So when the doctors were developing the pill, they actually knew at the time, and they still do know, that they could completely stop the period. Yeah. And there are pills on the market, like Seasonique, that I, I took for a while. Same. Where you only have a period um, four times a year. And and that's only if you take the placebo. Look, they, the doctors still know that you could just not ever have a period. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the doctors chose to keep women on the 28-day cycle and give them the placebos so that the uterine lining would release, sorry, men, I'm so sorry, I'm going to go there and just use I'm the words. Um, that they were hopeful in the 60s that the Catholic Church would deem it more natural and maybe accept birth control. That didn't work. 
Didn't no. work. No. Did not work so good. They also thought a lot of women might just feel like more normal. Yeah. But they were saying so. Still, really, the pill only came out in 1960. It's only almost 60 years old. We really, we're still wondering if we really need to have a period or not. Yeah. And there, we don't have enough research. What we do know is that women today are having literally hundreds more periods than a lot of our ancestors did. So we're having four to 500 periods, most modern day women, in our lifetime. But women like three to four to 500 years ago were having like 150 in their lifetime. They were having more babies, uh-huh. so they would menstruate less, and they lived a lot less time. Yeah. But here's the thing. Periods are actually pretty hard on your body. Yes. Every time you release an egg, that cell that it came from or that little pocket scars over. And if it doesn't oh. do it appropriately, you can get a cyst. Oh. That's where ovarian cancer comes from is if those um, cells get infected and cancerous um, cells form in there. That's why we're having more ovarian cancer is women are living longer because we have more opportunities to scar our ovaries because we're not dying and having 10 children. So would it be better to like never get your period until you were ready to and then that way you wouldn't have as much scarring? Potentially. It's a thought out there, but we don't know because there's not enough data. Yeah. So women now who are going to be taking the pill longer, we might collect that data towards the end of lifetimes like yours and mine. But right now, we really don't know if it's super safe for women to never have a period or yeah. to be having all of these periods. This is still kind of a scientific so thing that as as humans are living longer and having less children, what are these side effects going to – what's going to happen? What's what's making that – and the data, like I said, is still being collected. So Meanwhile, this is something that's literally been going on since the first human. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So but the way our lifestyles are so different now and the evolution of this pill only 50-some years ago – Changes the game. Yeah. So that, and I have a little bit more, but it's kind of a long podcast. It's almost an hour. So I say go back and listen to it for yourselves. That was Stuff You Should Know, How the Pill Changed the World. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess to go on like the birth control route, I listened to a podcast this week called Why Won't You Date Me? (laughs) (laughs) So somebody who might not need birth control would be Nicole Byer. She is a stand-up comedian. Hilarious. She's from BuzzFeed and Netflix TV show Nailed It. Where they kind okay. of do cake recreations, and mm. it does doesn't know out. that name. She actually was on "You're Making It Worse" mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and okay. I talked about her as a guest on the guys' show "You're Making It Worse." There you go. I listen to you. See? Yes, you do. But um, she's also kind of like a great talking head on a lot of you know talk shows, TV shows. Yeah, I know. I see. Yeah, her. she's so funny. Okay. But so um, basically, like she says, she's perpetually perpetually single. Funny, talented, loves a good BJ. Why am I single? <laughs> what are we doing here? BJ yeah. So I listened to episode 34, and she had a guest on, Fran Gillespie, who is actually a writer for SNL. Oh. And the reason I clicked on it is because the episode was called Opening Bumble Messages. And I thought that that was perfect because I went out on a date Friday night with a guy from Hinge, not mm-hmm. necessarily Bumble. And it was okay, but then like halfway through... He wanted to talk about his experiences on dating apps and then stopped to say, you know what you should do the next time you're talking to a guy on Bumble? Can I give you some advice? Can I give you some helpful tips? He mansplained you how to talk to men next. Uh Uh-huh. And his face didn't turn bright red with a five-finger tattoo. I thought about it, but, like, I was, like, not in our side of town, so. <laughs> safety first. Safety first. I had, like, a long walk to my car. You didn't care he, about his safety. You didn't care about his. No, he was great. He let me walk to my car alone, told me how to, like, date men. 
told me how confident he was with women. So when I saw this podcast, I was like, yes. Who says chivalry is dead? I know. But they were joking <laughs> around about just um, – so they were giving – like Fran was like, you know, giving her tips on like things to say because it is so difficult. You're just like immediately having a conversation with a stranger and how different it was back in the day at a bar. Sure. You just like walk up like, hi, can I buy you a drink? Or like, that's the drink. Yeah, that is totally the drink. Why that that like, I saw your green eyes for across the way. I had oh. to see you in person. But so um they were talking about like, what would you say to a guy today at a bar? And they couldn't think of anything in Fran you being a stand-up writer. No, but Fran being from SNL just was like, I would walk up to a guy and be like, settle a bet. Are you gay? <laughs> Snap. <laughs> and if he says no, you go, prove it. <laughs> move who has the balls to do that potentially Nicole I don't know but anyway it was a really funny podcast she's very loud outgoing very boisterous you need to be in the right frame of mind something great sure. to listen to like if you're cooking mm-hmm. you know what I mean and you just want like Bouncing fun around. you know stuff going on in the background maybe not something while you're like in traffic <laughs> but anyway it was, yeah it was really good I liked it and so funny so uh yeah why won't you date me well, because we live together and that would be Oh, weird. no, no, That's no, why no, I, yeah, I won't yeah, date you. For sure. For sure. Not my type. Um, <laughs> You're missing a few essential parts for me. Kind of. Anyway, speaking of missing a few essential parts, let's fill up our wine glasses and it. come back and talk some more podcasts. All right. Hey, guys. We want to take a quick second and shout out to our Patreon subscribers. That's right. Let's start with our intro rewinder, Sandy Randolph. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> exactly. We also have a professional rewinder, and that is April Valdez. Shout out to April and her crew at Salon Bon Tempo. You can find them on Instagram at Salon Bon Tempo. And if you live in Orlando, be sure to check out April. She's an amazing hairstylist. What they're doing over there is awesome. So thanks, ladies, for listening. We love April and Salon Bon Tempo, and we would love to shout out you next week. So come on over to Patreon.com for as little as a dollar an episode. So cheap. So cheap. What's a dollar? You can join us. You can be a rewinder, and you will have exclusive access to our bonus episodes. So over to Patreon.com slash Podcast Rewind and rewind with us. Awesome. All right. Let's get back into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are refreshed with mm-hmm. splashes of vino and ready to talk about two more podcasts. We sure are. Yes. What you got? So, Amy, I've heard of this podcast uh-huh. rattling around in my podcast brain, but I hadn't listened to it yet. Okay. Freakonomics. Yes, it's also on my list. Yes. And I always scroll by it and go, I'm probably not smart enough to listen to that. Right? No, I probably not. not understand. But it's hosted by Stephen J. Dubner, and he is one of the co-authors of the books, the Freakonomic books. So the mm-hmm. whole concept is, with the podcast especially, each week they're going to tell you things you always thought you knew, but you didn't. Yay! And I kind of think to myself like Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. How... And that word derives from the fact that people thought Nelson Mandela died in jail or in prison, but he most certainly did not. But people believe that he did, and you don't know why you think that. Right. Right? So um, I'm going to put it out there quickly that if I blow any of the terminology in this podcast, it's because I'm talking about the um, psychology (laughs) terms that we're probably misusing. Judgment-free zone. Um. I have to pause, and I am so sorry for this, like, left of center. Go, go but for it. But some guy was arrested in Baltimore at a Planet Fitness for <laughs> doing yoga naked, <laughs> yes, and when he got yes. arrested, they said, why'd you do that? And he said, I thought this was the a judgment-free judgment zone. zone. I heard that on the radio this morning. I, I was honestly, dying. He's not wrong. <laughs> 
Well, but nudity is still wrong. But judgment. Well, we're talking about that in a minute. Yeah. Anyway, so, sorry. Um, okay, so this is all about... News um, of the day. Yeah, so they're talking about a couple psych terms we're probably misusing, but it actually derives from a very lengthy psychology um, article by Scott O. Lillianfeld, and it was the 50 psychological terms to avoid using... Okay. And it's like, we're really using a lot of words incorrectly. So, and concepts. So the concept of right brain versus left brain is not a real thing. Right. You're not more right brained than I am. Right. Um, playing Mozart and classical music for children does not make them smarter. What, maybe Einstein's maybe a joke? I, no, yeah, it keeps them entertained. Uh, but there's no scientific evidence that it makes them smarter. Um, and they talk a lot about this pop culture psych. And that's kind of how we reference things these days. We yeah. all took a psych class. I joke around all the time. Like, I took Psych 101. I know what I'm doing. Constantly. We all watch Mr. Phil. Yes. <laughs> Calm down. It's a PhD. <laughs> Relax, Phil. Relax, Phil. But so, um, to kind of start it off, they share, you know, a quote from Confucius. If names be not correct, then language is not in accordance with the truth of things. So, if you're not even using terminology correctly, what you said doesn't matter. Too long, didn't read Confucius. <laughs> so <laughs> there are five categories that these 50 words are broken into. One would be inaccurate slash misleading. Another one is just frequently misused, ambiguous, oxymorons, and pleonisms. And I hope I'm using that word correctly. <laughs> but yeah. so I know. So the first one that they talk about is this thing called bystander apathy. And it's under the whole concept of inaccurate and misleading. And the reason that they're inaccurate and misleading is because it leads people to erroneous confusion. So to take it back, and I think this is where you're going to like it, in 1968, I believe, there was a rape murder in New York City in Kew Gardens, I think it's in Queens, Mm -hmm. and a young woman was attacked and raped and 38 people witnessed it and did nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the um, center of the documentary called The Witness, which is on Netflix that I started watching the other day. And it's all about how that in this bystander apathy is the word that is being misused. And it basically says in emergencies, when people witness crimes and tragedies, they freeze and they don't know how to help. Uh And so they described this whole situation as 38 people witnessing and nobody Nobody did a single thing. Yes. So... They're trying to understand psychologists like bystander apathy and are trying to understand how it all works. So for they did some studies, and they talk about how um, – I went one t- page too far, my notes. Um, they did a hypothesis that the more people who witness a situation, it affects the situation's outcome. So they had a couple of different studies of people in like Columbia, and a psych student would – bring them into the office and say, stay right here. I'll be right back to conduct your test. She'd walk into another room and make it sound like she fell off of like a ladder. And if there would be two people in the room waiting for the study, they wouldn't do anything. But if it was one person, they would immediately jump up to help. Really? And the concept of bystander apathy is the fact that like we have a fear of intervening and making a fool of ourselves. So if I jumped up and help and you didn't and she was fine, I would feel really weird. I would feel stupid. And then we also kind of look to others of how to handle a situation. Yes. Like, what are, you, what are we doing? I don't we know. Do well, we, okay, do we do nothing. We do nothing. nothing. And it's basically say that there are more people are around. We can remove guilt from ourselves because we were not alone in not helping or seeing what the hell's going on. So like I men- mentioned, the article states that 38 law-abiding citizens in Kew Gardens watched and did nothing as a woman was attacked and murdered. 
What we find out during the documentary and a lot of other things is that is insanely incorrect. The I think it was the New York mm. Times did this article and created this concept of bystander apathy, which then went on to be a thing that it hit the news all over the country. And it was just like, oh, New Yorkers are so apathetic. Like, New Yorkers won't help you. And it created this, like, narrative that New Yorkers would see you get hit by a car and not do anything. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the more this guy did a documentary about his sister's death is that not only was that incorrect, but many people tried to help her and, in fact, called the cops, did a bunch of stuff, tried to run this guy off. Why couldn't they? Because it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. So, oh. like... She screams, help, help, I've been stabbed. Somebody opens a window and is like, hey, you leave her alone. Uh-huh. Sees a guy run away and sees her walk off and just thinks she's fine. People. There's it, just witnesses. Correct. Okay. But they make it, it sound like people, right? are, people are like in a circle. It's like what it sounds like when you say uh-huh. 38 witnesses. And that's what they were saying is wow. that like you used this term so incorrectly that you created this hysteria for no reason. So, um... And they go through a lot of it in the documentary, The Witness, and because there were so many people that did witness. And in fact, calling the cops back then, there was no 911. You right. had to dial, get, the number. get a number, all of this. Sort of no stuff. cell phone. No Nobody cell phone. You got your landline. Right. Um, and so, in fact, it's one of the reasons that they ended up creating 911, that everybody uh-huh. had like a generic way that they could call mm-hmm. and ask for help. So, you know, it's tragic that this woman passed away but it's all about how poor journalism that day created a narrative that was incorrect because there was no bystander apathy in fact it turned out half a dozen people did what they could to help just unfortunately didn't help i know so that's you know one word that they talked about um that unfortunately had you know that sad twist to it but another word that we are using incorrectly hardwired Ooh. So we, we hear all the time. Right. Yeah, like, oh, I'm hardwired to do this. Men are hardwired to spread their seed. Right. All of this kind of stuff. Uh, no, we're not computers. <laughs> so basically, they just said people say this headline all of the time because we like to link brains to whatever the most scientific thing is. So back in the whatever day, like, the brain's like an abacus, you know, like <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. But the brain like I said, compared to whatever machine is most popular at the time, so now we're comparing brains to computers, but nobody is hardwired to really do specific things. And in fact, they talk about how the brain is like an etch-a-sketch. So in fact, if you move, what is it, like the right side of your brain moves the left side of your body, right? Oh, I think so. I think so. But so sometimes people who have a stroke or something and lose, mm-hmm. you know, go paralyzed in the right side of their body, can train their left hand to right instead of the right hand. So how could we be hardwired if we can work hard enough and the brain is a muscle, we truly can reteach our brain things. So we're not actually hardwired. It feels like a lot of people say, oh, I'm just hardwired to be late as mm-hmm. an excuse for being an asshole. I'm just tired and re- my bed's comfy. Like, I'm hardwired <laughs> to like that bed. Right. Exactly. So going back to, like, that whole concept of, like, pop psychology, other words that they referenced were personality type. Mm-hmm. Type A, type B. Uh huh. Basically, they said we like to sort people. Are you type A? Are you type B? Are you sure. introvert? Oh, we are you love extrovert? We absolutely love it. But in fact, our personality is fully a dimension, and it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You can be a little bit of everything, and it's basically traits versus types. It's not a personality type; it's a personality trait that you happen to have, and then how much of that trait do you have? So nobody is exactly the same when it comes to their personality. But, um, like, traits just aren't in our genes. So... They're learned behaviors, you mean? Exactly. Like, you don't come out of the womb being extrovert. Somehow, 
your nature and nurture all kind of created who you are, but it makes us feel like we can explain people away. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so-and-so hates going out all the time. It's because they're an introvert. It's like, no, so-and-so doesn't go out all the time with you because they hate you. (laughs) Like, What about like serial killers though? Because don't we love to say they're just hardwired to be that way and we just have to put them away because, you know, they've got the switch flipped. I think that that must be like something. But I think that like they're really talking about more generalized things. That's yeah, they okay. weren't going into, by the way, serial killers. Um, but they were just... You know where my brain goes. I know where your brain was going. I'm hard to think about serial I killers. I talked about rape and murder, my bad. You just got on your own little thing. <laughs> but another one that I really love that we use so incorrectly all of the time is you start a new job and it's so difficult. You have such a steep learning curve. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But if you think about it on a graph, a steep learning curve from like your X and Y axis would go up really fast, Mm -hmm. which would mean you can get to where you need to quickly. Uh Basically, a shallow learning curve would mean it's going to take you a really (gasps) long time to learn everything. So like learning the alphabet in like a couple of weeks is a steep learning curve because I have to know that fast, but... We're saying, like, when we, we normally say when yeah. someone has a steep learning curve, like, it's going to take them a long time uh-huh, to learn it's all really the hard. ins and outs of yes. this. But in fact, we should be saying they have a shallow, shallow learning, learning curve. curve. Like, Whoa. coding would be the longest shallow learning curve you could have. Damn. Learn an iMovie. All of that stuff. Yeah, steep means, steep we think means challenging, but in fact, it means you acquired it quickly. Okay. Yeah, other ones, chemical imbalances. How can we have a chemical imbalance? We've never figured out what the correct ratio is. Do we all have the right ratio? Are you 70-30? I'm 60-40. Where are we getting this imbalance from? And mm-hmm. how we just don't have a litmus for what's accurate. Right. Who's exactly chemically balanced. Exactly. Who's the perfect Who's person. the perfect one. And that's why pills always have to be adjusted and all of that kind of stuff. Um, the last one that I really liked was lie detector test. Uh-huh. Which you know, you watch Amori. You watch... <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Amori You're in my day. You are not the father. That too is a lie. Two is a lie. Basically, we're not detecting lies. We are detecting arousal in your body. Right. Yes. And so it's, you know, measures a nonspecific psychophysiological arousal rather than fear of detection of being caught lying. And because of that, they're associated with a really high false positive rate. Yes. So I don't know you're lying. I know your heart rate has jumped up. I'll assume it's because you're lying. How do I know you're not terrified that you're already being strapped up to a machine? You know, I listened to a different podcast, and I I won't talk too long about this, I swear, where they were talking about how a woman had gotten murdered, and of course you bring the husband in first to question him, and they got a false positive positive off of him, and he didn't do it. But they were talking about how a lot of times spouses have false positives because they have this overdrive reaction to... I didn't protect my spouse, especially yeah. a man who didn't protect his wife um, and she was murdered by somebody else. A lot of times they test false positive yeah. because they just have this like guilt and horror and it, it sends those signals. Exactly. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Like it yeah, yeah. should not say lie detector test. Right. Anyway, it was really great. I thought it was so fascinating. I'm always interested in like words and yes. <laughs> grammar and all that kind of stuff. That's your but thing. I will say they ended um, – because I went back and read the article, and I ended it with a great quote that said, writing is thinking. To write well is to think clearly. That's why it is so hard. <laughs> yes. It is hard. It's so hard. It is hard. It's so hard as I drink oh my, my wine. I drink wine about it. Okay, I, um, do you want to laugh a little bit? I think I've got a funny one I for you. I would like you. to laugh. 
Okay. I listened to an episode. I have talked about this show before. It was a while ago, and I don't remember what the thing was. What did I tell you? Podnesia. Podnesia. But this is the Criminal Podcast. Okay. Is it Parkcast? Um, no, they're not ParCast. They are actually part of the Radiotopia from PRX. Oh, I love Network. Radiotopia. Yeah. I just know ParCast always has, like, murder. Criminal. Yeah. Criminal. No, yeah. No, this is misleading because it is the one word. <laughs> yeah. But the Criminal Podcast from Radiotopia, number 94, The Chase. Ooh. So, do you know the name Mark Roberts? Does that ring a bell to you? Nah. Uh, well, the police in England know oh. <laughs> Mark Roberts. They know him real well. His face is plastered um, and handed out his headshot to policemen before basically every major sporting event in the UK. Like a bolo, or be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for Mark Roberts. Now, look, he's a normal dude. He's 54 years old. He's a house painter by trade. He's a major sports nut. But Mark Roberts has done one thing 565 times. And that's go streaking. Speaking of nuts, he is basically a professional streaker. Amazing. He's got a Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. So look, fucker has streaked, struck, strucken, streaked, streaked. Wimbledon, the Olympics, the running of the bulls. Men's oh, weight Oh, wait a Running of the Bulls? No, he went streaking at the running of the bulls. Ballsy. That is ballsy. <laughs> um, men's weightlifting competitions. He's done concerts. He has done um, soccer games, rugby matches. He has streaked in 23 countries. And she asked, why do why do you travel to do this? And he said, well, if you've got a good act, you, tra- you take it on the road, man. <laughs> So, um, again, let me let me just say the host of the Criminal Podcast is Phoebe Judge, and she just has this perfect, like, NPR, calming, yes. lovely voice. And this guy is from Liverpool, England, and he's just got that very jolly English accent. Uh-huh. Like, I picture him to have very ruddy cheeks and yes. kind of like a bulbous nose and, you know, Santa? some gray hair. Yeah. Are you thinking about <laughs> Santa? <laughs> Santa-y, no, but... Okay, so here's how we got started. 1993, he was in Hong Kong with a bunch of buddies to see a rugby match. And they were sitting in a bar getting drunk the night before the match. And they saw a story on the news in the bar on television about a woman streaking. And he was like, that's not impressive. Anybody can do that. So everyone was around like, I, we dare you to streak at the rugby match tomorrow. And he was like, fine, fuckers. I'm going to do so many British accents this episode. I'm going to get so many cringe sweats. So he got super drunk that night, like passed out. In the morning, his buddies are like banging on his hotel room like, come on, man. You said you're going to streak today. And he's like, oh, fuck. So they, he goes to the game and he's like, fuck me. I'm just going to do what you get over with. <laughs> Uh, he did sound a little Irish, by the way. Oh, so, that's Irish. I know, he sounded a little Irish. He's living in Liverpool now. Maybe he's Irish. Let him oh, be Irish. My people. Um, so he so he did it. He went down to the pitch during during the match, took us all, took off all of his clothes, ran out on the field, in fact, uh, grabbed the ball and went and like made a score uh, to make a joke. And he said the crowd lost their mind. Yeah, you love loves a streaker. I've never seen one live, and I want uh, to so bad. Bucket list. Bucket list. <laughs> um, to see somebody else do it. Yeah, night. yeah, of course. But he said in that moment, he found his calling in life. He felt and alive. he was he was hooked. He was alive. He's like, this is what I do. He said <laughs> yeah. two days later, he was still in Hong Kong with his buddies. There was a soccer match or a football match, they probably called it. Yeah. He did it again. So... So it's a tad illegal. Like I said earlier, yeah. nudity in public, still illegal. Yep. Um, turns out not in every state, by the way. But he's been arrested a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so Phoebe says, are you usually still naked when you get arrested? He's like, yeah. 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 But um, 
she's like, how do you get your clothes off so fast? So he has a tailor back in Liverpool. She knows what he does, or seamstress. She makes his clothes for him with Velcro so he can just tear away (laughs) and go do his thing. And she was like, you have a seamstress, like on retainer that does this for you? And he goes, I'm a professional. (laughs) This is what the man does. You're going to like the way you look. Yeah, so he's got a seamstress. She makes him his clothes. He rips them off, and he goes, here's how it goes. He goes, the police have to catch me. So I run around as much as I can until they tackle me. He's like, but the funniest part to me is the police have to go get my clothes. Yes. So usually, usually what happens is the police tackle him still naked, let him get dressed, and they take him down to the station or whatever. Except for one time in Madrid, the police got pissed. They arrested him naked. They did not collect his clothes. They threw them into the crowd because they were pissy. So he didn't know that at the time. So he went to jail, and they let him out at, like, 1.30 in the morning. And he was like, okay, give me my clothes back. And they're like, we don't have your clothes. And he was like, ah, okay, that's funny. And he left. He walked down the street, and he thought that they were just real pissy. So he walked down the street, and then he came back, and he was like, all right, guys, real funny. Where's my clothes? And they're like, no, we don't have them. And in the pockets of those Velcro clothes were his passport, <gasps> wallet, and cell phone. So he had nothing. 1.30 in the morning, streets of Madrid. Oh, shit. Birthday suit. So eventually he figured himself out of that one, I guess. But then Phoebe, our host, talks to a woman named Joanna Grossman, and she's an SMU law professor, and she talks about, like, nudity in the law and how it's not illegal everywhere, and nudity is actually illegal where it is illegal. It's illegal for a lot of different things. Sometimes it's indecent exposure. Sometimes it's just, like... Uh, ruthlessness in public. You know, just, it's all kind of different things depending on the jurisdictions. Um, and she said that men and women, usually nudity is banned for different reasons. They just ban all nudity. Yeah. But for women, it's really because like the naked female form is enticing and can be distracting and men could just like go into hysteria yeah. if they see a naked woman. So women can't be naked. Do you think everyone just heard my eye roll? Or I, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty loud. <laughs> but for men, it's very threatening. You know, if you think about a flasher in public, mm-hmm. it's a form of assault on a woman. Oh yeah, we had a flasher flash in high school. To flash your dick, right? So, uh-huh. so they're both illegal, but for different reasons. Yeah. Like if you see a naked man in public, you don't see women going, oh my God, climb on him oh, you, we're all like huh, <laughs> laughing and pointing yeah what well, no, a little was that a little guy a little guy's little guy yeah so anyway um like ex- men exposing themselves is aggressive but a streaker typically are men and look everybody everyone's here for it nobody is threatened everyone turns into a nine-year-old and just has a fucking hilarious fit and so that's what mark says he's had eight trials and he's actually been acquitted six times wow and he he used to plead guilty every time and just pay the fine and get it over with. But now he starts pleading innocent because he believes the law is wrong. He's like, what I'm doing, sure, public nudity is uh, illegal, but he's like, what I'm doing is entertainment. Nobody's offended. Everybody's having a great time. Yeah. So I plead innocent to indecency or whatever yeah. he's being charged with. So she goes, okay, what's your biggest streak? What have you ever done? Oh. Here's This is going to be good. He streaked the Super Bowl. Oh! In 2004 in Houston. Here's how he did it. So he got his seamstress to do a Velcro referee's costume because you have to go through so much security, right? Yes. To get into the Super Bowl. Um, so he put this, the felt they had the ref costume with the Velcro on under normal clothes. Yeah. So he goes to security and he said the security guard pats him down. He's like, oh fuck, oh fuck, I'm gonna get caught. And the security guard patted him down and felt something and lifted his pant leg and he saw like the black pant underneath. 
And the guy, Mark, thought to himself real fast. He goes, I have a skin condition and I need Velcro rip-away pants so I can get to my skin really fast. Uh, and the security guard was like, oh, okay. And then he pats his top and he pulls his top up to look at his undershirt and he sees the ref uh, shirt. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And he said, this is my lucky uniform. <laughs> and, you know, sports fans being so superstitious, yes. the security guy was like, all right, right, there you go. On you go. So he got in. He said it was right after halftime. Now, do you remember what happened at halftime in 2004 in Houston? Yes. Nipplegate. 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 So here's what, as Americans, we don't know. We didn't see it, did we? We didn't see it. So they had just dealt with Nipplegate. And nipple, Janet Jackson's nipple was on air for 1.5 seconds. And that was Justin's fault. F-Y-I. Well, they co-conspired on that, didn't he they? He threw her under the but bus, he sure, he sure did. That's a different conversation. It's a different pod. That's a different pod. But he, um, after that happened, there's starting of the second half, right before, um, like, kickoff. Yeah. He ran down to the field and, you know, he took his clothes off, jumped onto the field. He's in the ref costume. And uh, to the players and everybody on the field, a ref is running out. So they all kind of stopped and looked at him. CBS had turned their cameras away. They realized something was going on. He took his clothes. This is what we don't know in America. He ripped that ref costume off, grabbed the ball. He started um, Irish dancing around the ball. (laughs) And for a while, all the players were like, a ref is losing his shit. A ref is absolutely (laughs) losing his shit. And then they all started catching on. And he said, I was down there for about a minute dancing, and I was out of moves. I was ready for them to come get me. So, so then he said he started running because he saw the police coming and he took off running and a linebacker came and took him out. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, it was the Patriots and the Colts, I think it was. Sure. sure who cares? Um, so a linebacker took him out and he said he got piled on by the police, got arrested, was a oh, whole thing. Oh, he's Must have hurt so bad. Yes. It's getting better. Ready? He had a trial for that one and he was found guilty. Yeah. And his fine was $1,000. Well, guess what? They didn't say which company, but you know how expensive Super Bowl ads are. Yep. This guy had a company sponsor him, and he had a company's logo painted on him, and that company happily paid his $1,000 Oh, yeah. Did he say what company? He did not. I I don't know if he couldn't or if he just didn't or got cut out of the podcast. Yeah. But he said he was sponsored, and he had a logo, and that company took care of his fees and got him out of that. Isn't that super fun? That's hilarious. So um, so that was, yeah, his big one. The other thing to remember, though, after 2004 was that Nipplegate, the, that footage was everywhere. And then when the FCC clamped down on that, all the networks had to take it down yeah. off their websites. But a couple of guys were like, well, people want to see this video. Yes. So a couple of entrepreneurs started a website called YouTube. Uh-huh. And uploaded, okay. uploaded yes. Nipplegate. And that was the very first YouTube yes. footage. I bet we could go find plenty of Mark Roberts' Nikki's body. Um, I'm here for that. Okay, honestly. So she said, okay, what are your tips, Mark, for up-and-coming streakers? And he goes, well, look, I'm a real sports fan, so my number one rule is don't disrupt the game. Yeah. Make sure you're in a break-type period. Um, don't disrupt the actual game, and don't do anything that could disrupt the outcome of the game. Uh-huh. God, especially at, like, a European soccer match. Could you imagine? They, they would kill you. They'll kill you in the street. Yeah. So his other tips were be prepared to spend a few hours in the police station afterwards, have a good lawyer on retainer, and don't eat spicy food the night before. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Makes total sense. Ah, Obviously. That was so much fun to listen to. Again, that was a short one, just 30 minutes. Uh, uh, Podcast is Criminal, episode 94, The Chase. That's awesome. It was a good, good listen. 
am down to go check him out on YouTube. I'm down to get I know who online. I am. Yeah. So let's do it. Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us on episode 38. We covered quite a varied Did we podcast not? and topics. We hope you learned things, loved things. Rate, review, subscribe. But no matter what, we will see you back next week. We'll be midweek back with episode 39 next week. And Probably. until then, do not forget everybody to be kind and rewind. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.